I was listening to 780 radio station several years ago. That brother Buck Huntley was preaching, and he said, Have you thanked God enough to hear him say you're welcome? You won't read a statement like that anywhere in the commentary. Nowhere. I guarantee you, I don't know, but I'll find out when I get to heaven. I guarantee you he got it while he's on his knees somewhere praying, calling on God. And so I try to thank God enough every day. I want to get to where I can hear him say, you're welcome. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is the perfect will of God for us to be thankful. If your mom and daddy give you a whooping, thank them for it. I didn't get an amen too loud right there. You ought to thank them for it. You ought to thank God that he put somebody in your life love you enough to discipline you. Whoop. Somebody good to you, thank them. You ought to go home and thank your wife for being a blessing to you. <laughs> Hopefully your husband won't have to lie when he does, but thank her anyway. Somebody say amen right there. That was supposed to be funny. It didn't work, but <laughs> Genesis chapter number 37, please. Verse number 29. I got this on my heart. I'm going I'm to preach. I know what time it is. It's preaching time. And I understand, but it don't matter. This is camp meeting weather, all right? What in the world would a meeting be if it didn't get hot? Somebody say amen right there. you, brother. Appreciate that testimony. Thank you, Brother Moneyham, for the preaching. It's good. Genesis chapter number 37, briefly tonight, we'll begin reading in verse number 29, and Reuben returned unto the pit. Behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he ran his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whether shall I go? They took Joseph's coat and killed a kid, the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. They sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found. Know whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat and an evil beast had devoured him. And I wouldn't take time tonight. I don't think it'd be God's will, but there's a lot of evil beasts eating and devouring our brethren. Somebody say amen right there. Evil beast of jealousy and the evil beast of envy and the evil beast of lust and malice. 
backbite and gossip, but so on and so forth. Verse number 34, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. Here's a text tonight. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning for this. Thus his father went for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt and unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. Father, help me. So I try to preach the word of God tonight. Pray for liberty and wisdom, discernment. Lord, this is all I've got on my heart. And I'm convinced you put it there. We glorify and magnify you. I pray that you'd help Lord, us to give our undivided attention to the word of God. In Jesus' name, help somebody. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm reaching into the middle of a series of messages that I preached uh, several months ago. And I preached on the subject, I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now about the life of Jacob. The Bible said Jacob went on his journey and I can honest to God say, I wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. Thank God I'd rather be an old time Christian than anything I know. I'm glad, thank God, I got saved by the grace of God. And God washed my sins away and he changed my life and he put us in this old time way of this way of worship, of a blood way, the Bible way, of God's way. I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now. I meet up with all my heart. I'd rather be an old time Christian. And I preached about Jacob's church journey when he met God at Bethel. He said, this is the house of God. Then we moved on and I preached about his casket journey when he buried Deborah and uh, Rachel and his daddy, all three in the same chapter. And even though that was a hurtful time in Jacob's life, it was still good for him. But we come to a piece of uh, history in Jacob's life tonight that he is refusing to be comforted. And I would ask all us New Testament Christians why in the world we would want to live without the comfort of the Holy Ghost of God. There are going to be times in our lives, something's going to happen, and we'll be just like Jacob and we'll refuse to be comforted. Jacob didn't want to be comforted. He didn't want this kind of attention. He didn't want anybody to pity him. And there's times in our lives that we don't want nobody's shoulder to cry on. We don't want to talk about what's going on in our life to nobody else. We don't want to pat on the back. We just want to be left alone. We come to Jacob's comfortless journey. Our text brings us to one of the saddest scenes in Jacob's life. He's been uh, led to believe that Joseph is dead and refuses to be comforted. Briefly, we'll see the story of Genesis 37. We've got dream observation in the first of the chapter. We've got hate, we've got envy. Joseph checks on his brother and they plan to kill him. Reuben plans to get him uh, back to Jacob. Judah sells him into slavery. And when the brethren say, yeah, don't get too mad, it may just save your life, just like it did Joseph. <laughs> Have they not sold him in it? ended up dead. Hey, Ben and I, don't let the politics of the brethren when they say yeah, I cause you to lose any sleep. It may be God saving you something worse on down the road. Somebody say amen right there. I'm reminded tonight that God is a God of divine providence. He knows where we need to be. He knows who we need to be with. And if you find yourself in the pit and the brethren shout you out, don't worry. Just like Brother Stacy sang tonight, there's no need to doubt him now. Amen. 
They sell him into slavery and they uh, dip his coat into blood, a goat blood, and they deceive their daddy. He rents his clothes, puts sackcloth on and refuses to be covered. Have you ever known anybody? Have you ever experienced yourself that you were in a place in your life when you didn't want pity or comfort from anybody or anything? The question has to be asked, why did he refuse to be comforted? Briefly tonight, he's residing in a land where Isaac, his daddy, was a stranger. He was a sojourner, simply means Isaac had been there before. Genesis 28, 6, Isaac told Jacob, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. It meant there would be no unions in this land between God's people and their people. And uh, what I'm simply saying, amen, we're heading for a land that's fairer than day. Man, I'm living in a land that ought to be strange to the child of God. We have no business fitting in with this place. I'm making any unions with this place. We got no business being worried worldly or worldly minded. I've heard the preachers make the statement that men were so heavenly minded they were no earthly good. I tell you what their problem is, they're so earthly minded they're no heavenly good or vice versa, whatever. I don't think you can be too heavenly minded. It's what I'm simply trying to say. And, uh, but anyways, he was abiding uh, in a land where his daddy was a stranger. But then we go on and we get to the practical thought and uh, we really find out what might be going on in Jacob's life. He probably felt like he was responsible for Joseph's death. In this text, we've got a man that is heartbroken over something going on in the life of his child. Neighbor, I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me. When things ain't right with my children, it tears my heart out of my chest. Beloved, I believe we've got people in our Baptist churches uh, uh, that refuse to be comforted because uh, their children uh, may have messed up, may have went away they wasn't supposed to go. I remember one time I was in one of my hero's houses and uh, we were in his basement and we were looking at guns and, and stuff like that. And he, he looked up at a picture on the wall and, and it was a picture of his son and his son's first wedding, his son's first marriage ended in divorce, ended in sin. And, and he looked up at it and he just took a handkerchief and wiped the tears off his face. He said, Brother John, I believe they got married in the will of God and they divorced. She didn't do right. And you know what he said? He said, it's all my fault. I said, how is it all your fault? You weren't the one that sinned. You weren't the one that committed that unholiness and he blamed himself and a lot of times as a parent when a child uh, sins or goes wrong or experiences uh, uh, this deceptive death as uh, Jacob in his life and thinks his boy is dead, how many times do we blame ourselves? First John chapter number three, the Bible said if our heart condemn us, amen, uh, uh, God's greater than our heart. That word condemn means to blame. It's the ideal of self-punishment. We've got a lot of folks uh, that refuse to be comforted because they blame themselves for something that's happened in their lives and they refuse to be comforted and they feel like it is a chastisement from self because of something that happened in their lives. Neighbor, it will never be the will of God for us to chastise ourselves. 
Brother, you go to whooping yourself. You just took God out of his rightful place in your life and you're telling God you know better than he does. You know when you need a whooping and you know when you don't. Neighbor, I tell you that chastisement business is up to God and when God decides to do it, that's his business. It ain't none of ours and we have got to quit blaming ourselves for everything. Now, if you have committed sin like everybody in the building has, something's went on in your life, you know you were wrong and you know you didn't do right, then yes, go ahead and fess up, repent, get right with God. But this is a situation that Jacob had no control over. This is a situation that blindsided Jacob. It came and he never saw it. And he refuses to be comforted. Boy, I thought about Adam and Eve in the garden and Cain. Can you imagine the conversations that they had after the fact that they had messed up and Cain rose up against Abel and killed his brother. Can you hear Adam in the background saying, I don't know why in the world we ate that fruit, Eve. Eve said, you're right, Adam. We got kicked out of the paradise, kicked out of God's presence. And, and now Cain, our son, has rose up against our other son, Abel, and killed him. Can you imagine how they may have blamed their shout for what went on in that situation? Man, it's too late for the could haves. It's too late for the would haves. There is no such thing in the life of a believer as a clear history button. Don't you wish we had one? I mean, I I could name I could uh, and I I'm gonna be I'm gonna be too honest here. I know I could name at least five things in my life that I'd like to clear the history on. There's no such thing as a rewind button. Man, I'd hit it every day. (laughs) I wish I had a time machine. Somebody, Brother David, invent a time machine. Let me go back to right before the first time God dealt with me about being saved and let me talk to myself then. And I said, when he deals, you repent. I would, wouldn't push him off, wouldn't resist him. I'd have got in a whole lot younger. But God, I'd go back to when I surrendered to preach. And I would take myself and I would duct tape me to the couch and I would say, all right, you're gonna do this, 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 and this. Don't do it! Don't you look at me like you got a halo hanging over your head. That ain't a halo. That's where your horns is grown together. And if you wouldn't go back and change something in your life, you're in denials what you are. And you don't not wait till the invitation to get on this altar. Go ahead and get right with God tonight. Quit lying to yourself and everybody else. There's no reset button. There's no clear history. There's no rewind button. So what do we do? We've got to suck it up and just go ahead and admit it's in the past. And there ain't nothing we can do about it. Jacob! There ain't nothing you can do about being lied to about Joseph. Ain't nothing you can do about that coat dipped in blood. It's there! Jacob says, no, I refuse to be comforted. He's probably blaming himself with him. It's bad news about our children, whatever it is, response, whatever, but we refuse to be But then next, I told you I'm going to hurry tonight. Nextly, he's reaping what he sowed. Jacob's reaping. 
Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Genesis chapter number 27, verse number 10. He sowed with a goat when he killed that goat and put that fur on his uh, arms and deceived his daddy with that goat. But now his boys have went and killed a goat uh, and uh, he's reaping from goat blood. And then we go to, he sowed in his daddy. He's reaping in his children. He put on Esau's raiment. He's reaping with Joseph's covered blood, uh, coat covered in blood. He sowed fleshly feelings. Isaac felt him to see if he was hairy like Esau now. Now he's reaping feelings in his broken heart. He sowed with a kiss. He's reaping with fake comfort from deceiving children, which he refuses. He sowed deception. He's reaping it. He sowed division. He's reaping it. He sowed in the family. He's reaping it. He has reaped what he has sowed. The doctor had an 18-year-old daughter. Beautiful young lady, they say. When she turned 18, her daddy said that she could go on a first date. Only time I see Dayton in the Bible is Samson and Delilah, so you do with that what you want to. I, I don't like Dayton myself. I married my wife. We courted, and I married her, so I couldn't date her. Somebody give me a witness right there. But we won't fall out over terminology, okay? But uh, she, she said, okay, and the young man came, picked her up, and, and met the good doctor and shook his hand, and he gave him the third degree. Now, that's my pride and joy. That's my baby girl. You don't break the speed limit. You be good to her, and, and uh, you be in at a certain time. You've got a curfew. Yes, sir. I, I captain all that. And uh, they went on down the road, and, and after a few hours, a couple of hours, the doctor got a phone call and said, there's been a fatal car wreck. Your daughter's been in a bad wreck, and, and we need you to come to the scene and he got in his car and he rushed to the scene and when he got there on the side of the road they had already pronounced his beautiful young 18 year old girl dead and uh, so he rips the sheet off of her he tries to resuscitate her he's got her blood all over him and, and uh, boy they finally pull the doctor off and say hey doc there's nothing you can do stop we're sorry about your daughter and they pulled him off and the state trooper came to him and said, Doc, I hate to have to show you this, but here's the reason for the wreck. And he pulled a fifth of whiskey out and handed it to the doctor and said, We found this in the car. It was on their breath. That doctor grabbed that whiskey bottle and I said, I'll f-. That doctor said, I'll, I'll find out who sold my daughter and this boy this whiskey and I'll put him out of business. And the, Doctor went home and he got himself cleaned up, got his baby girl's blood off of him, went to his liquor cabinet. And instead of finding that particular bottle of whiskey he was looking for, he found a note. And that note said, Daddy, I want to thank you for letting me go on my first date today. I've watched you use this bottle on all your special occasions And I thought I would do the same thing myself. She got the whiskey bottle from her daddy. Neighbor will reap what we sow. Sow it in rebellion, you'll reap it in rebellion. Sow it in envy, sow it in lust, sow it in jealousy, sow it in malice, sow it in backbiting, sow it! And neighbor, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you there have been a lot of times I've got on my knees and when I realized I was putting some bad seed in the ground and I've had to say, God, would you please send a crop failure? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
I'm afraid. I'm afraid the crop's going to come back up in some areas of our lives and we're not going to like the fruit of it. So the best thing we can do is get out there and get our plow and try to plow it up. Try to fix it. Somebody say amen. We'll reap what we sow. There's no comfort in reaping a bad harvest. Comfortless. He has reaped, but now he has received their false story. They brought him a lie. They said uh, that they found a coat and they wanted to know whether it was Joseph's coat or not and they have uh, give him a lie. No comfort in false. No comfort in heresy. There's no peace. There's no assurance. They lied about what they had found. This have we found. They didn't find it. They took it off of him. They dipped it in blood. They lied about it. Man-made religions will always strip you. They stripped it off of Joseph. They lied about what they found. They lied about the blood. They used goat blood to represent the blood of Joseph. And neighbor, there's one thing you better not be wrong about, and that is the blood of Jesus. I've got some, I've got some good friends of mine Good friends of mine, we don't see eye to eye. I've got some good friends, they believe in the pra- in the gap. They don't call it a theory, they call it a principle. I, if you believe in the gap in Genesis 1, that's fine with me, God bless you. I don't believe in it, I refuse to believe in it. I don't preach on it unless I'm using it for an illustration's sake right now. I don't see where it benefits anybody of any kind. But if you want to preach it, God bless you. I'm not going to fall out with you whether the prodigal was saved or lost. I believe he is lost and he came home and he got saved. You preach him backslid all you want to. I'm liable to shout while you're preaching it. I might agree with you on some of what you got to say. You could be a mid-tripper. I, I wouldn't get too upset at you. I wouldn't fall out too hard. I am pre-trib. Amen. This eschatology dispensational stuff. You can be wrong about some of that, but if you're wrong about the blood, you're hell bound and there ain't a thing in the world outside of the grace of God you can do about it except repent, call on God. And they lied to jo- uh, Jacob about the blood. I'm glad we heard the truth about the blood of Jesus Christ, aren't you? Can I just hit a side note? We have found it, amen, the truth, amen, and it's a blood of insight from sin. It's always been the blood. It'll always be the blood. You try to get somebody else's blood in this, you'll die and burn in hell. But I'm glad they have found a filled with blood and drawn from Emmanuel's veins and shed his blood beneath that blood lose all their guilty stains. Your baptism will send you to hell. Always in the blood. Joseph's, this wasn't Joseph's blood at all. This lie involved blood. This lie involved a coat. His coat would speak of righteousness. This lie led him to believe in the death of Joseph where there was no burial, where there was no resurrection. He believed he had been devoured and died. And now Jacob was living in a comfortless state. 
We as God's people would never say that God is dead, but in action and emotion, that's our testimony. It was a short story. I counted it up. It's only 14 words. And he believed every bit of it. Aren't you glad we got more than 14 words to prove what we believe? Aren't you glad we got 66 books in the Word of God that would show us God and teach us what we need to know about Him? And these lies caused him to refuse to be comforted. Joseph is dead to Jacob. They've been to Egypt to buy corn from Joseph. Unknowingly, Joseph keeps Simeon and sends for Benjamin. And Jacob says, all these things are against me. (laughs) What now? I've lost Joseph. Now they want Simeon. Now they want Benjamin. Benjamin was the son of his right hand. Benjamin was his right hand man. Now he makes that statement, all these things are against me. Neighbor, you can't live your life believing everybody's against you. No comfort! I know what it is. I know what it is. You go preach somewhere and you're not too well received and you walk into a building and maybe somebody will look at you cross-eyed and you're like, man, all these people have been talking about me. Pastor, you ever been there when you stood in your congregation and man, you thought, man, I, I think they may be more against me than they are for me in this place. You ever go to work, sir, work, ma'am, and you think everybody's against you? Oh, and the devil applauded in our minds that he's out to get me. They're going to try to run me off. They're going to try to get rid of me. They're going to steal my job. They're going to take my pay away from me. They're going to take my vacations away from me. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. Oh, they're going to try to rip a church out from under me. They're going to try to rip meetings out from under me. They're out sowing discord. They're going to try to shut me down. You've been there. You've had it happen. And while it's going on, God would speak to you like he has me in days gone by when maybe some of your friends didn't do you right. And they said, well, we just, we're going to break fellowship and get in a good place. I could take you to a place one time in particular where God shot. I'm not breaking fellowship with you. And that's all you need to be concerned about. You get to thinking everybody's against you. Then if you ain't careful, you throw your hands up and you refuse to be comforted by the Holy Ghost. You'll get out of the will of God. You get to thinking your husband or your wife is against you. I believe plain Language is easily understood. I do. I really do. And I feel like that the people that are closest to us, you got to quit trying to read everybody around you. Haven't we had to learn that lesson the hard way? <laughs> well, you'd be preaching up one day and somebody be out there in the congregation. Man, boy, and they got this awful look on their face. And you, man, they ain't liking what I'm saying. Oh, brother, they, they, they ain't coming back tonight. Oh, it's a bad day. And 
man, you get done, and, and, you, and if you ain't careful, you go to singling them out. Right? God, what's wrong with you? You look like I'm not on a log. <laughs> Maybe they got a headache. Maybe their tummy don't feel too good. Can I get a witness? What I'm saying is you go to misreading people and you think they're against you. And I promise you, pastors struggle with what I'm preaching because there's a war goes on in your heart, dear man of God. You want to be bold and you want to preach what God tells you to preach. Let the chips fall where they may. You want to be God's man, but at the same time, you want to be a blessing to your people. He thought everybody, he thought his children were against me. All these things are against me. Not just, not just the things, not just the people. If you ain't careful, you'll get to thinking God's against you. God, if God be forcing me against, I got to preach on. Lastly, and I'm done. We go back to our verse, our text. But he refused to be comforted. We close with our text verse, that word. And note, in this particular case was probably a wise thing on Jacob's part to refuse comfort from his deceivers, all of his sons and daughters, future reference with his children. And at the same time, Jacob wasn't getting comfort from nobody. That word refused means to be unwilling. He chose of his own free will not to be comforted. It was his choice. That word comforted means to be sorry. It means to be pitied. It means to have compassion on. He chose to live without sympathy, without compassion. He chose to be that way. There'll be times in our lives when we don't want this kind of attention. He chose to live without spiritual comfort. Boy, for the times, the Holy Ghost has came by where we were and comforted us embraced us, put his ever-loving arms around us and spoke to us, kissed on us, loved on us, and blessed us with his presence. Jacob is refusing to live without spiritual comfort. He's refusing to live without mental comfort. He's not letting this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He in this spiritual comfort, he didn't go back to Bethel. He didn't pray. He didn't go back to worship. He didn't go seeking a preacher. He didn't ask somebody to call on God for him. He just clammed up in a place of no comfort. No mental comfort, no spiritual comfort, no scriptural comfort. He didn't consult the Bible. No emotional comfort in his heart. He made his mind up. He was going to go down to the grave grieving. No physical comfort. The Bible said he put on sackcloth. He sent Joseph away not thinking that he had never come back. He sent Joseph to check on his brethren not thinking what if something happens to him. Now in our chapter, when you go on to chapter 43, they call for Benjamin. And when he sends Benjamin away, he sends him away so much more carefully. Long 
How long? I'm done. Who you want to play to? Lancasters, if y'all come, play us an invitation. They're coming. I close with this. Put a thought. How long has it been since you've allowed somebody, someone, God, your husband, your wife, your children, how long has it been since you've allowed a good old gospel song to comfort you? How long has it been since you've allowed preaching to comfort you? How long has it been since you've allowed your church to comfort you, the Holy Ghost to comfort you? If we have no comfort tonight, it's because we refuse it. Jacob made a lot of mistakes in his life, but that does not disqualify Jacob from being comforted of the Lord. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what road God's took you down, what journey you've walked on. But I do know this. You've not gone too far to where you can't get comfort from God. Jacob finally got comfort. After years, they came to him and said, Joseph is yet alive. He didn't believe it. But when he saw the wagons, his spirit revived. You know what finally gave Jacob comfort? It was the life of his son, Joseph. The only thing that's going to give us comfort tonight is the life of Jesus Christ. That's it. Life outside of Christ, outside of Christ, there is no Holy Ghost for us. Outside of, Christ, outside of Christ, there is no peace for us. But in Christ, in Christ, there is comfort. I invite you as we stand all over the building tonight, get you some help from the Lord.